just it's more to it than what you see mm. there's always more in the background festering So with that being said, so hearing about this journey and like, you know, Ranieri saying, you know, best young player he's coached and, you know, what you've described, do you feel that you achieved everything you could have from your career? Um, look. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Appreciate you joining us. Um, before we get into this, we've got a new co-host with us today, uh, Matt Healy, uh, someone that I've referred to on quite a few episodes. Um, a good friend of mine, but um, also he's been a coach uh, back with, we were coaching when we were Chelsea. Um, you would have spent some time working with Michael Elise when he was at under eight, uh, spent time working at QPR, um, and now runs the business Gen Football. Is that good enough introduction? You happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> Have I hyped you up enough? I mean, it's quite brief, but we'll go with it. There's a little All bit right. more there. Um, I think also it's really relevant to join this episode because he spent a long time playing football with Carlton growing up. Um, and your dad was also the manager of the district team that you both played for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got all that right? That's all correct. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> all right, so Carlton, um, the first question that we always ask every footballer when they join us is, what age did you start playing football? Cool, that's a trick question. Uh, <laughs> mm. Who knows? Okay. Like, I remember, actually, I remember a point when, listen, I, I did love football. When you're at school, you play in the playground, didn't you? Um, primary school, probably, that's when it started. But then I remember going to, um, I remember going to uh, Sierra Leone. Okay. My, with my mum and my uncle. And um, there was these kids that used to play on the street outside the house. And it was my first time in Sierra Leone, so I was making new friends. I, I remember, and I'm still friends with one of the kids now, Tamba. Ngo. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he's basically, not that Tamba, another Tamba. Okay, okay, I've okay, got okay, another cousin okay, called Tamba. I've got two cousins, okay. three cousins called Tamba. Yeah. <laughs> Tamba's quite a, a big name in Sierra Leone anyway. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I went to Sierra Leone. And what age did you go, by the way? I was about 11, 10. No, no, probably no. Probably nine. Nine, nine yeah. years old. Okay. So that's when I saw kids playing football in the street, just like raw. Right. You know what I mean? Um, with a little tennis ball. Sometimes they'll have this little rubber ball, just like a size two, yeah. size three ball. Yeah. And that's what they'd use, barefoot. Right. On concrete and gravel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking... Wow, this is um, dedication to the sport, and I and I just see how much they loved it, and then that's when it started to grow in me. Okay. Um, so that I wanted to play football and be a part of that because it, it it looked like these kids belonged, you know, like and they had their friends and it and they was just traveling from from ne one neck of the woods to the other and just playing football like nothing, no other care in the world. Yeah. So that's when I first started, and then when I first started trying to. Um, controllable and make sure that I've, I get a good touch. I remember, and I don't know if people 
will see this. This is just the rawest thing I've ever seen. And then I started to do it and I brought it back to, to England. Um, we used to get, they used to get a, a, like an orange pill. Yeah. yeah? <clears throat> and coax it and, just, and keep it up. Okay. So they used to just keep up an orange pill. Yeah. If you get an orange pill, anyone try it at home, yeah? <laughs> a good size one and put it on your foot, barefoot, and you just coax it up and just, and you just got to keep on catching it and then um, tossing it up with your foot. That's when I saw real skill. Because I saw this kid doing that, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and that's not even football. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. a skill that he's just in control of his body and his, obviously his equilibrium and um, his balance. Fair enough. And that's what was he was coaching himself with. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that was at a, a raw, young, tender age of like, I was probably about eight, nine. Why? How long was you out there for? I was out there for six weeks, so the six weeks holiday, yeah, yeah. I was out there. Do you know what I mean? So it was um, it was refreshing to see. And we've got quite a few like mutual friends. Um, I was speaking to quite a few of them uh, in yeah. preparation for the episode. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah. saying like to, like for instance like Kieran Critchlow. Yeah, I was, like, yeah. Saying to Kieran, I was like, ah, oh, anything that you want me to ask him? Um, I think like a big thing that was coming back from everyone was talk about cage football. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so what age did cage football start for you? Look. <laughs> That's when it started to get tough. Okay. Street football, innit? Um, and before the cage, we had just the estate. So I grew up on Green Dragon Estate next to Brentford Griffin Park. And um, so we just had outside the shops. So when Mr. Patel used to put the shutters down, <laughs> we used to use the, use the there's like um, pillars as goals. And then we used to, Opposite that, there was like um, an entrance to a block of flats, yeah, no, and yeah. there was a, there was two pillars on that side as well. And we used to just kick about there, car parks there. It was quite dangerous. Yeah. And then we had the rest of that place. How many the, of you? Oh, oh mate, there'll be about 20, 30 of us. Right, okay. Like proper taking it back to old school football <laughs> in eighteen hundreds. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> just a just a melee of people just rushing. Rushing for a ball. Then we used to always, obviously, we used to play, um, um, was it King? So would you just call it, I forgot, you would tell me, when we just, when, when you always have to, you get back down to a one, um, two V two. seconds. Oh, no, oh. Two, so we used to do 60 seconds. Yeah. You do to sick and you used to do knockouts. Yeah. So knockouts, you're oh. your own man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got one goalkeeper, he kicks it out. Oh, and yeah. And everyone's got a rush and everyone's trying to, Twist and turn yeah. and try and score in this one goal. Oh yeah, I called it. And then niggas, and it's knockouts. Yeah, so knockouts. Yeah. So we used to do that or, li or elimination or whatever you want to call. Yeah. It. So once you scored, yeah. you're through. And mm. you'd win a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there would be times then. Then I wouldn't get to the finals. But if I got to the finals, I've done my job. <laughs> you know what I mean, and then I could go to bed happy. You know, and because um, I remember before that, like. It would be a long whole day. So we'd go, obviously you wake up. I'd do my paper rounds. I used to do paper rounds first. Get up, go down to Mr. Patel, get the papers, go to school after that, do the paper round, go to school after that, then come back waiting for all the other kids to come back from school really? to go and play. So uh, like every day? Because I was going to ask like whether this was weekend or yeah. like, yeah, it's after school. Yeah, after school. Okay. Uh, it's always after school. And, um, and just and so go to the places like where it said no ball games, that's where we're playing. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? so, and so what age roughly is this? Oh, so that's now, I'm like, I'm like 10, 11, 12 now. Okay, okay. Going on to that sort of age. Cool. Look, and you've got to understand, those those ages, are the those are the times when you're getting your skill, you're getting your touch. Not You're not doing, you, do, you don't actually know you're doing it, but you want to just get better and better, don't you? 
And that's where I feel that I um I benefited because having those little tight skills and and it's people it's what people don't actually relate me with with um when when they see me on the TV or when they saw me on um, playing for England because they say I'm just a big robust man up front. But actually, I had I had feet. <laughs> we'll get onto that. I had no, feet. No, that, that, that. Absolutely <laughs> no. And from from speaking to everyone, especially speaking to Matty, like he said that you were a ten. He said that yeah, you know yeah. people don't know this that you were like centre midfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Great we definitely want to get into yeah. trying to understand how you ended up changing to become a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we've definitely understood that you were a very very <laughs> clever, skillful footballer. Yeah, yeah. The um with those that when we played on the estate as well, because mm. it's funny you got. Like when we talk to parents now, they'll say, oh yeah, he's got training Tuesday, mm. but his training is maybe an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. We used to pay for like three or four hours. Oh, so like, it starts to I, get... Sometimes I, I tell parents like, training doesn't have to be an hour on a Tuesday night. No. You can do two sessions, you can do three sessions, because yeah, yeah. we would play after oh, school. Until be, it was, so we'd, like our we'd have worn like ourselves out. By the time we got home, we were knackered, yeah? And then we had to go again the next day. Hmm. So this is all developing your 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 stability. Well, I'd say more more to be stable-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's discipline. Yeah. So when you got that sort of discipline and you just want to just get up and go out and play and get better, that's what you need. Not just having okay, because that's what I think sports science is brought in. Um, you can only load these kids for a certain amount of hours. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I get it, I get it, because it does, it, scientifically it does work and it, you can see the outcomes, but we never had that. Yeah. And we still got to a level, but now I think they're just trying to cut down the times so it's more punchy. And actually, we wasn't actually getting coached. We was just raw, you know? So sometimes it's better to be raw than just being in an environment where it's just, this is what you're doing. We're working on this this week. We're working on that. Because maybe sometimes those kids need a bit more of what, um, they're, they're lacking, you know? I feel that that happens quite a lot. I think we skip over actually just having fun with these kids now. I think fun is, it's, got, it's always gotta be fun. That's the main thing or else they don't wanna learn. They'd rather go down to the cage and go and play. But when we had, we had great fun in the cage and it's, it was so, so intense. It sounds like you have a, during this time, you had an absolute pure love for football. Oh, it's like, you gotta understand, Sean, like, that's all we had. We didn't, we had computer games. We did have computer <laughs> games. So we had Pro Evolution Soccer back in the day. Yeah. Um, bit 3D. Yeah, bit, um, it's not like the, what we see now. Yeah. It's like, mate, your eyes were blurry. You had Street Fighter. Do you know what I mean? Then we used, we used to have, um, um, what was it, Championship Manager. Mm. So we used to play on one. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, first one. That was actually quite interesting. But um, you got to look at back in the day, we just needed football. And that's how everyone got along in our state cause, and our area, because that's our one common thing that mm. everyone loved to do, mm. play football. It's and like that a currency. It's a community. Football's a bit of a currency in that the younger players, if you were good, yeah. you were younger, yeah. you got to hang out with older players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you was accepted. Exactly. The so ones if, you even, even, if you're really good, you got you got to go up mm. with the, the, the olders. And once you're with the olders and they rate you, your your um, personality and your status in that community goes up two, three, four pegs. So your social state, your social status just rises so quick if you're good at football, mm. and that's why everybody wanted to be good at football. I, I love that, and what you've kind of touched on here when we start talking the the next stage, which is the the cage football. Yeah, and there's kind of maybe some like 
maybe tribalism in it mm. in some senses of of you know the because we look at some of the academy players um when you're scouting mm. you're looking for a competitiveness yeah. and a toughness and a resilience and sometimes you'll see that where especially at the younger ages there might be some kids from let's just use the example of like the Surrey League this, yeah. this is a typical example you might have a kid who's very good playing in that league yeah. in a nice team and, yeah, yeah. and not really maybe having like com competition yeah. of of different types of players yeah. okay and then they then will go into academy environment mm -hmm. and they're then against some kids who have are playing more different types of football street football cage yeah. football maybe and they come with a bit more aggression yeah. and and that can really throw mentally the the kid who who's not been exposed yeah, to that it's a big problem mm. but Sean, mm. I understand so I was speaking to so obviously I'm in academy football and I was speaking to um someone from Brighton so Brighton had this problem where they had a lot of good kids, yeah, really good at football, great technically, but there was something missing. And um, whenever they'd come up to an inner London City team, they would be, they'd just get run over, you know? And um, that was a big problem for them. So what they started to do to try to start scouting a little bit further out into London yeah. to try and bring um, that type of um, player yeah. to their club, because that's what they were missing. There was, there was, they had great and intelligent players, but it doesn't have that, that grit, that that rawness. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, from yeah. the streets kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So you, I feel if you got those two things and you mix it, because sometimes the streets, street football can be too street. If you understand, it needs to be tailored, and sometimes these kids can't come away from that street football. So and. The, the intelligent ones can actually decipher when they need to be have that 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 sh that street rawness on the field, and then when they need to be t intelligent as well, and they get the mix, and they the sooner they can get that mix and the blend, then. But what one thing some of these kids have to do, they have to learn. They have to learn from the other kids that they see, not copy how their their style is, just their mentality. So you might have a kid that's actually not great um, technically. But he's got that something about it. He's raw, uses his body well, and he gets by with that. But that only lasts to a certain point yeah, yeah. until he's got to start using his brain. Yeah, you know, because they're getting to bigger and better players now. Yeah, or getting the same size players because maybe he's been he's matured matured a little bit faster than everybody else. So what I've seen, I've seen some of the kids that are prim and proper, the ones that do well and they've come from a good family background they come to football and then they get run over by this raw guy from this from the street yeah yeah but then i've seen him learn off the raw the, the rawness of it as well because you you've got you got to see he's more he's intelligent so he's like i need to do a bit of that and his parents are telling him as well you need to be a little bit more like that yeah don't have to go all the way because yeah. that's his attributes but yeah. if you can try and mix and blend it then you're gonna get um, to be that kind of complete player. Not complete, but I get close you. to it. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, would you be able to describe the the cage football? Oh, like, mate. <laughs> yeah, what, what would it be like? How many people would be playing Ooh. at a time? The different ages? Yeah, describe what it was like, but paint the, a picture. You can't really describe cage football. It's egos. Okay. It's just pure ego in there. Like, <laughs> I am the man, yeah? <laughs> Um, and you can be like that, but you've got to be able to pass the ball as well. So you can have the ball at your feet, 
but you've got to be able to see a pass or you can have a shot or can't just be skills, skills, skills and then no one end product. And we had a lot of that in our in our um, in our days in the cage in cage football. But that's but, like winning mentality as well. Yeah, because like you couldn't you couldn't try and be the best and try and get away with something mm. and then you not get away with it and then nobody wants you on nobody mm. wants that player on their team. Like you want to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't so much about like yeah, it's big egos and wanting to be the best, but winner stays on. Yeah. So you wanted to win and just Always stay on and play stays on. Yeah. like play for the whole time. Yeah. So if you're playing. And somebody in your team messes up and you concede because of that. And then your mm. team loses because of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, got him. It's, yeah, <laughs> so it's like, no, because I was saying it's like, there's almost a little bit of a misconception that the streets can, like cage football can create these unbelievable skillful players, mm. which it can because yeah. of the environment that you're playing and yeah. you're practicing. That but like the winning mentality and oh. actually playing effective football, because mm. like you'd learn to play one touch as well. Yeah, you'd yeah, learn yeah. how to- Around the corner. Just, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's not like, oh yeah, you can develop all these skills and you can take on three or four players. You started to learn good decision-making, when to take the Because it's on. more intense. The so tight spaces you got, just you got Sometimes really, really you got, it's sometimes an 8v8. <sighs> sometimes it's a, it depends mm. what the what the balance is. Or if one team might have a stronger team, might maybe one of the other, the, the, the opposition team, might have to go two two men down, but they could handle it because they've got better footballers than the ones that got eight, you know? So it just depends how you saw it and how you balanced it. And there's been loads of times, look, when we saw, we used to play in this place in Brentford called The Pit in Green Dragon, yes? We call it The Pit. So it's literally, you look down, it's in a pit. <laughs> and this is before it's all nice now. I think Brentford's uh, done something there. Right, okay. And they've okay. called it something else now. Yeah. But um, when you went to The Pit, like, it was so, it wasn't a good place to, to be playing football, to be honest with you. They put goals down there, but that was just to do something. Before it was where people used to take drugs. Oh, they used to shoot up. They used to, you just saw needles on the floor. God. And at the time, when you're young, you're not even looking at that. You're just thinking, I just want to kick ball. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? But then and there was just these bushes behind that the, the far goal. When when your ball went in there, you don't want to go in there. There's all sorts of creepy, creepy crawlies, and I I think that's when I started having my fear of creepy crawlies. Because <laughs> I must have come out there one time, and there was one of, there was a spider on my head, and it was going oh, and everyone was going oh, I was like ah, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but there was a bush at the back over there. I was thinking every time that I was like, I always go go mixy, go and get that. Someone, I ain't going in there again. Do you know what I mean? How did you pick teams? Um, I don't know. I think we always had a um. We, had, we always had like different teams, like um, you know. I think there was, was always, always a mixture. And there was know? always like a level of like knowledge and respect yeah. in that the good are to uh, be the, balanced. Yeah, the older and better players would be the captains yeah. would pick. Yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't go like yeah, Colton, and then the next time they make sure they get the next best yeah, player. Yeah, like no, it was never like, like a, that. Yeah, it was like we always used to manage to have level Neat. teams. Yeah, yeah. It was always so it's like, like yeah. Somebody would pick somebody, and then the other sort of captain would would make sure that they they made the right pick. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah. not necessarily be in the the next. So if best someone player, picked Colton, or we made me, sure it was even. About myself in the third person, but if someone picked me, someone would on. So the captain on their side would go, "Oh, mate, I need to get a proper defender." Yeah, so they'll get a defender instead of another striker. It wouldn't be like everyone on one team. Yeah, like one's mm -hmm. good. It would be quite balanced. And then I know that I'm. On, I'll, I'll be like. Oh, Humphrey just kicks me all the time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, mate. But I know I've got to be on my toes now. All right, okay. Do you know what I mean? So I've got to turn it on. And then you've got Tuck that was always, he was a midfielder, but he used to play for Charlton back then. 
and he had like mad skills. He was as big as me, but his feet were unreal. Yeah, and yeah. And then yeah, yeah. if you picked him, you'd go and get like a Mick, Migsy or Mikel. Okay, okay. To to make sure stay on him, make yeah, sure he doesn't yeah, get yeah, out of yeah, the. Yeah. And he used to annoy every skillful because he used to kick lumps out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he was goal was just to kick lumps out of people. So you want to be on his team. You know, so we knew who was um, supposed to be on what team and whatnot. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was always balanced. Okay. But, but I tell you what, it was intense. Okay. The intensity, like, when I'm looking at some of these kids, I'm coaching them sometimes, I'm thinking, you got to be more intense than this. Like, you got to get about it. You got to close him down. You got to make sure you show him one way. And we learned all of these things at, at, in the cage. Mm. So, so we used to use. And this is this is bad. We used to barge people into the into the to cage itself, and some will just get hurt, like, and then they'll be off, and then they'll come back on. So there's no crying about it. Everyone would always um, just dust themselves off and come back, and that's where you got that robustness, and that's how you got kicked lumps out of, and you just got up, dust yourself off, and go again. And we used to always like use the cage as like a weapon, so or another defender, basically. So we also show, this is how we used to know how to show them outside. So show them away yeah. from the goal. And then once you've done that, then another geezer will come f from behind him, belt <laughs> him into the cage, he'd bag his head, then we'll go. <laughs> so this is what, these are the tactics that we had to employ just to win a game. But it was rough. What man. was the floor like? It was concrete. <clears throat> With syringes on it, or you wipe oh, the syringes away. So red Leeds was a little bit. No, so oh, so this was at Red Leeds. <laughs> that, that, so no, so at, at at the pit we didn't have that. We didn't have the cage all the way around. Right. At Red Leeds, we had the cage all the way yeah, around, so you could that. you could proper you, knock. That each red other. Floor was red Leeds as well, because you just like said it and made me think. You had um, the likes of Leon yeah. at Wickham, Leon Felix, Cholton, yeah. you at Chelsea, yeah. Miggs, like. The Miggs caliber of player, Brentford, yeah. like he was at Brentford at the time, yeah. like there was, and then obviously like Jimmy would come down sometimes. He's a bit Jimmy Agre, Jimmy Agre was he'd come unbelievable. Down sometimes. Was he? he was oh, at Chelsea. Jimmy goes at Chelsea at the time. So but you've got all those players playing that level, mm. like five, That's six crazy. aside. Yeah, and then, it's crazy. Yeah, the levels. So we pushed unreal. each other every day. I think <clears> I think that was something off air. I asked you, Matthew. I asked you, was it what was it like like skillful, like very, and and you were like, well. You couldn't really showboat. If you were going to do a skill, oh. you had to pull it off. People <laughs> would shout at you if you messed it up. Yeah. It was intense. I'm telling you, if you done a skill and didn't come off, everyone would go, oh, man, don't pass him. Don't pass really? him. And then they'll get, really? they get the ump. And then yeah. you'd see tension in the team. Then the other team would go, oh, we've got him. We've got him. Their heads are gone, you know? But it was so like, it was like we're playing a World Cup final. Every game was a World Cup final. Mm. And that's where we had to make sure that we was always pushing, pushing each other. So and that's where we get our respects from. But that's what I mean, when like that misconception of, oh, the cage football creates like the, the kind of like, so-called skillful player that can mm. take two or three players on. When you think about it now, and we can talk about it now, it's like, it didn't really create that type of player. No. It created players that could move the ball quickly, yeah, yeah. that were physical, yeah. that were intense, yeah. like developed a tough mindset. Yeah. So it developed those characteristics a little bit more than you know players that were like twinkle toes and could do all the skills because mm. mm. you couldn't really get away with it. You couldn't get away with it. But we know, we knew that he, you could, they could get out of tight spaces if mm. needed be, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, and that's where it goes. Use yeah. the fence as a one-two mechanism. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. you don't run, run, just things like that. And it just, um, just makes you more aware. So if you've got to defend against that, you got to make sure that you're not getting done with mm. a one-two round of mm. it. So everyone's going to go, oh, you got done. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. ego, yeah. that hurts your ego. When you get done like that or you get megged, 
it's over for you. <laughs> you like it's hard to come back from yeah. uh, mentally, and the ones that do come back from it, they're the ones that go all the way. I there was always, oh, sorry, and there was always that, like, we would always sort of coach and help it. Well, I can remember anyway, mm. like Leon doing something to me and then saying kind of what he did and why he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's right. always that level of like, and then yeah, yeah. T like Tuck was a bit of a, like somebody I looked up to a lot yeah. and would help me a lot with football. And it would be like, yeah, he'll do something against me. Yeah. Make sure that next time I get the ball, don't let me do this, yeah, don't yeah, let yeah. me do that. So, so there's an element of again, coaching, yeah. An element of coaching from players that are playing at different academies yeah. who are all really, really good. So you've just got that constant, like almost leveling yeah, up. Because yeah. you've got to understand that like, my, 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 mine and your year, we were, we were younger than most of them. Mm. So you had like from the Jimmy Agarys, Humphrey, um, you had loads of, you had loads Did Andy of Myers go down there? Andy Myers used to come down once in a while. But he was already playing. Yeah, yeah, first yeah. Team. Uh, then you had my uncle that used to come down. Okay. These are the olders. So when they come down, but they used to go 11 aside. So they had the, we had the field at the back. And when they wanted to play, they'd go on the 11 aside over okay, the back. Okay, okay. But there was a- I like the respect and, and then, the olders. I yeah, like yeah, that. the olders. Um, and my Saar, my cousin, oh, yeah. he was in between. Okay. So he'd come and play with us, then right. he'd be with the others as well. So, and then that's when he started to coax me to go and play with the older lot. Cause when I started to get at that level, yeah. it was good enough. So uh, uh, being at Chelsea, um, we, have like the development center program for under sixes, under sevens, yeah. it's generally those ages. Um, you probably got it with West Ham. Mm. Um, clubs are trying to recreate an environment yeah. of cage football. I see it at Chelsea, yeah. You, you see it it's at in Chelsea? The cage, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, it would be like at a power league or a goals, mm. um, but parents are often quite shocked with the way that the coaches are because it's a lot of facilitation. Mm. They'll just be having the kids playing 4v4s, just letting them play, sometimes letting fouls happen. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember like Paul Merson with his little boy coming down and then he'd just be a bit shocked. He'd be like, why aren't they pulling up the fouls? Mm. But I think the idea is to try and recreate some of the cage stuff. And it should be that way. Okay. It should be that way for me you got to let kids just get on with it and let them police themselves. Um, I think we've come to a generation where they're a little bit too soft mentally. Um, so gone are the days when the Mourinho could just have a go at you or Alex Ferguson could just have a go at you because some of the kids nowadays, I don't think they're there mentally to, to take it and show, to say, do you know what? I'll show you through football, not show you via social media, not show you through Twitter, you know? I think that has an element of the upbringing of what's where they've learned football. We just used to get on with it. Like if someone fouled or someone kicked me, I'd be like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll leave a bit on you later. Do you know what I mean? I won't do it now, I'll do it later. So I'm not a walkover. You're gonna see that, see what you've done there. I'm gonna score a goal, yeah? And then come back and laugh in your face or I'll leave a bit on you at some stage of the game, like yeah, you done me, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? So we police it ourselves. And it wouldn't be malicious, malicious. Yeah, It would just be like, right, you went a bit too hard there, you know? Mm, mm. Like, why? What's, what's the beef? Like, come on. And, then if you, and sometimes you'll have a little go, but then it'll get split up and then you crack on again. And then that if, that, if you can't get over that mentally, then your game has gone. And then that's gonna tell for you how you're gonna be in the future as well. It's going to take a lot of um, uh, maturity for you to, to understand. I've got to dust myself down. It's like when a goalkeeper lets in a goal. He's letting a goal, 
you can't be dwelling on that old situation or else you're going to let in another one. So you got to just dust yourself as quickly as possible and go again. And I think a lot of um, these kids in the academies, not, I'm not criticising them. It's yep. just they've got it better than us, really. But they are they are pampered a little bit too much. So when you're creating that environment and then the families shouldn't even be there. I don't even think the, the mum, the parents or the dad or the mum and dad or whatever, or the granddad, they shouldn't even be there in that environment when they're doing that cage football. I think that they you've got to be there. Just referee it slightly, but let them crack on and let them police themselves because a few of those kids are going to get upset, even the better ones, because they're not used to getting tackled like that. And the other, it gives the others a chance to get there mentally and say, do you know what? I've done a bit on him today. I, I overpowered him in that, in that tight environment. I think it's a good idea for the, for the kids to police themselves sometimes. That's, I remember like when I'd play against you, mm. if I played well against you, mm. I'd go into my next game I, I did alright against Colton. Yeah, I'm not gonna play against a player better than Colton. Mm. So no matter who I play against next, so you're already um, yeah, you're already yeah, above that. that. But but I love that that you're identifying the need for that resilience and that mental toughness and kids to be able to solve their own problems mm. independently without going to their parents to try and <coughs> help them. Well, it it, it actually translates into my home life as well. So listen, my mum was there for me. My uncle was there for me. But then you go on the streets, you gotta look you gotta look after yourself on the streets when you're playing football with these guys. You know what I mean? You gotta be able to you can't run to mum and say, Oh mum, this that happened, happened and then your mum comes out and has a go like you know, it was unheard of. And if that did happen, you was embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> you was embarrassed to go and tell your but you go and deal with it yourself and you walk out, I swear down, and when you come over when you get over it and you get you get a couple of knocks and you can give back um your knocks as well. Yeah. You won't even need anyone. You know how to police it. You know how to mm. control yourself. And then and later on in life, when you do take a... So like now I've retired and I can see what I'd learned back then, how to deal with things and just take it. And I go for it myself. And then I go through a little... I go through a downer and then and things are not going well for me away from even football, just in my, my own life. I'll, I'll police myself. I'll make sure that I can come back you know, so translate into other life skills later on down the line. So it's that resilience that you're actually practicing at that age on how to, and that's through football. And that's how powerful football is. And you can use that into later life, in normal life, just to how to be resilient. Because you're not always going to have someone to help you and get and, and walk you through um, to the to the, to the the good side. Mm, I love that. Um, you touched on there, like um, family support. Mm. Um, yeah, do you mind talking a little bit about how your yeah. family um, shaped you as a footballer? Well, I had, my, I had um, a guy called uh, Richard Butler that was... Um, I've heard of this guy. Richard Butler. He was, a scout. he was, a, scout. No. He was yeah. a scout for a bit at Chelsea. Okay, yeah. Um, he was at Walpole. But he was at Walpole Wanderers, right, so my okay. Sunday league team. Okay. So he was instrumental for me getting from A to B. Otherwise, without him, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Wow. I wouldn't have been able to reach um, some of these games. We used to get in the minibus. He used to come down to either the McDonald's right on the corner in Brentford, or he'd come pick me up outside my house because I was always late. <laughs> and, uh, why, why did he do that? How did you meet him? Um, I met him through... Oh, I went to I went to Brentford in the community one time. Yeah. yeah? So we, they Brentford in the community, Brentford Football Club, they used to do this community thing yeah. over at, um, obviously, there was some place, I think it's, I've forgotten what the, um, the park's called now. But then you used to play, t you have to pay two pounds um, to to get coached basically and play with other kids and 
So I used to go down there and uh, pay my two quid. Me and my friends, Mikel, you probably came down to Brentford in the community a couple of times. Um, but we used to pay money to go and get coached by Brentford's, Brentford coaches. Um, so it's professional coaching. So I was there and I remember they was gonna put on a game. And um, I think they put on a game and but there's all these other scouts there. And it weren't just to be a part of Brentford Football Club, it was um, just loads of scouts came that day. And I think that's when he'd seen me, along with Bob Osborne at Chelsea. So Bob was just keeping an eye on me at that stage, I, I heard. And then, but he'd seen me and he, and he says, oh, listen, if you don't get into Brentford, then you can come and play with us. And then I think they just newly formed our age group. So there's a coach at Whirlpool. Whirlpool, Whirlpool. So his dad done the older lot, like the men's team. And then I think they was doing the, the youth team. And what sort of age roughly was this? This was about 12 years old. Under 12s. Yeah. Right, okay. 12. Wow. Under 11s, under 12s at that time, yeah. It's good how people in football, there's people that go out of the way to help. Yeah. I know, but he saw, there was about four or five of us he took from there, you know? And then he formed a team over in Ealing. And uh, that's where we started to dominate. And that's when we started winning a lot of things. And that's why I was playing, but back then I was playing centre midfield. Yeah. So I was a centre midfielder. And um, I wouldn't, I didn't see myself <coughs> as a because you were playing that side. You yeah, yeah. Side. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't they say, had, they had Walpole's like you, yeah. Chev, Mixie, yeah. Chad. Chad, Gibson. So like wicked, but then, and that was like that half of the district team. Yeah, yeah. And then we had me, Mess. Yeah. Barry. Yeah. Matty Bryan. Matty Bryan. Rory. What a player he was, Matty Bryan. So like Rory half of well. the Walpole team and then half of our old eyes team. Yeah. Was then the district side. So yeah. Like the best half of our old eyes team, the best half of the Walpole team. Yeah. And you're luckily the enough. Manager. Yeah, luckily enough. That was basically we all went to, um, <laughs> yeah, so we went to either Eyes of Zion or Chiswick. Yeah, yeah. And then that became the district team. So we had like this super like district side. Yeah, just merged together. Mm. Make a, so then Richard helped with the district side. Yeah, so Richard helped with the district side, but yeah. he was also my manager at Walpole uh, <coughs> Wanderers. Cool. And he used to pick me up. So even we just won the lot. We won the lot. And our district team, we just won the lot. Um, I remember some of the games, man. Like it was just crazy. I was doing. I was scoring goals from the halfway line. Like I was allowed to be free and use my imagination. So that's one of the things that we was going to ask because I remember you being like almost a 10. Mm. So I can talk to, so I was talking to dad about like speaking to you. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, you're unbelievable. Like best player. And then I said to him like, well, we can remember you when you started breaking into professional football. Mm. It felt like he was being, uh, being kind of forced back. into a number nine. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, we all remember you being just like the most incredible 10. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, you were so good on the ball, you were wasted up front. Yeah. You needed to get on the ball. And so to get you on the ball, there's no point in you having up front and us yeah. trying to get it to you. And it's just crazy. Just bring you back and Matt, then we can get you on the ball. Matt, it's crazy. It's like people used to say, and they used to like, like, I'm just talking about sometimes it doesn't translate to what people know of me later on in my career. So I'm a totally different player to what I was back then. Mm. So I was actually very skillful, got on the ball. I was always laying people in. I was I was the provider. I used to love it. Then I could score bangers as well. Do you know what I mean? Ranieri said, I've never coached a young player as good as Colton. It's like, like I mean... I know, that's unbelievable. Yeah. He said, so he what said happened that, though, if you were that good at you know, an attacking midfielder, yeah. what then happened for when you started playing professional for you to become a bit more of a... Orthodox number nine, so, and like your talent 
Yeah, it was uh, it was weird because I remember. Um, so obviously, when I get so we've had an incredible time with all Wanderers and um, obviously the district, and then I went on to play for county, and I uh, had an incredible time playing for county. Done, done. I think we won county as well, county level, and um, it was it was just a weird situation because by then I'd have gotten to because I was at like under 15s probably now and we'll talk about under 14s 15s and by then I was already at um, Chelsea I got scouted by Bob Osborne I went in and I remember the first time let me let's talk about when I had the trial because that's massive the the trial that could have made or break it could have made or break me that that time so I didn't know I wasn't even aware of it it's only later later on then I realized uh, we had the trial, so I was on the sixth week of the trial. I think it was a four-week or five-week trial. I was on the sixth week, and they were still trying to make decisions. And there was so many people that wasn't sure about me. We used to, uh, the trial was at Harlington, right? So we talk about Harlington. There was a hockey pitch. Mm. Um, when you, so when you drive into Harlington, there's a hockey pitch on your right with floodlights. And that's where we used to go. It's like an ice rink. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. It was like there was no... <laughs> it wasn't no. Astro at all. It was weird. It was just slip on it. Just sand, basically. Yeah, and, nothing uh, like Cobham now. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, nothing like that. Yeah. Um, so we was on there, and um, I remember I'd been going for weeks, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it here because no, they've not said anything. Usually you can get an inkling. And I was doing all right in the trial. I don't think they knew where I, my best position was at the time because I was playing midfield. I could play centre-half. I could play up front sometimes. But it wasn't really, I wasn't up front. And then there, there was um, one time I was looking around and obviously I'm not from, um, and this is why I always feel you've got you to look the part. I looked around and most of the, the kids on trial and the ones that were already there, they look good. They look, they had the umbro drill top, they had the umbro pants. Remember back mm. in the day, they had the umbro socks and they had the fresh boots. And I didn't have none of that. I was just... <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't have that sort of money. So my mum couldn't afford all of that. So I was looking at these kids. I was thinking, wow, I don't feel part of this. Mate, I went to my mum. I went to my mum, I think it was the last week. I said, mum, I know you ain't got that much money, yeah? But do me this one favour and invest in me in this one time, yeah? Because I want to look the part like I want to... And I didn't know what was going on right there. I don't know what was in my head. And she goes, oh, I can't, and I can't afford it. I was like, okay, cool. Um, all right, can you just, all right, can you just get me the drill top, and uh, and the and uh, the tracksuit bottoms, because it had big umbro on it. Tra pro training, what they've mm. got now is just like a re, it's redone now. Um, so I, we went to, I think it was at First Sport back then in Hounslow Treaty Centre. So we went in there, and um, I said, Mum, I want that and that. And she goes, Oh, look at the price. <laughs> Anyway, she got it for me, and I said, but mum, my, my, like, I can't, because I was wearing football boots. I was wearing football boots on that fin. Yeah. yeah. So you got to understand, I've done the whole, I'm wearing football boots, like moulds on there. Yeah. I was, remember, I was wearing, um, I was wearing some, I can't remember, they were, but they were hand-me-downs here yeah, for, my, for my uncle. And uh, I said, mum, see, like, when I'm on that thing, I, sometimes I slip in, because we slip on there as well. So I'm not really giving my best. And um, you can't really feel the floor because it's just like clock. It's like you're playing on concrete, basically. So I said, Mum, get me these Astro Turfs. Yeah. And then I, I went for the Umbro Speciali ones, obviously, as you do. 
This guy's nah, that's too much money. <laughs> so I went for the AstroTurfs with um I went for the Quasars. Okay. So I had these <laughs> I had, and they were too big for me as well, but I put my foot in. I was like, yeah, these will have to do. Yeah? Because they didn't have my size. Oh, they right. didn't have my size. Didn't oh, have my size. God. So I was like, oh, these are gonna have to do, man. And then I was going to training the next day. So I was like, right, I've got my stuff. So my mum's my mum and obviously the Quasar's a cheaper, cheaper option. And I was like, these are gonna do it for me. Yeah. I've gone in the next day, yeah. Um, Richard picked me up, gone in. And mate, I swear I had the best training session the whole like the whole time I was there, I was I was scoring goals from left, right, and center. Everyone was like, What has got into you? As that that young. So I was like, all right, cool. I went home, then I got phone, uh we got a phone call. So now, can you come back tomorrow? I was like, oh, this is strange. I thought, so I'm thinking I definitely released it. And then someone said, um, I think, it, I can't remember, it was Ted Dell. Mm. Ted Dell. He says, listen, mate, you've done brilliant. I was backing you. There's a few others that weren't sure about you. But after that training session, what you've done, it left everyone with no doubt, yeah? Brilliant. So I said, wow. The, the power of feeling and looking the part yeah, so I've got this thing. If you look the part, you feel the part, and you can give what you can do on that pitch, and you you feel like I'm doing everything in my power because I look in the part, I feel good. Now it's time to give, you know. And that's I think that's a mental thing in every human being. If you feel good, you're gonna go and do it. But you feel good by looking good as well, you know. So sometimes you can't let yourself go. So anyway, he said um, to me, he goes, "Oh, listen." You know who's gonna let you go, yeah? If you didn't have that training session, that last training session, you were gone. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what yeah. a save, yeah. what a save. Yeah. And I went back to my mom. And my mom wasn't taking it seriously at the time. So I was like, mom, see, we got in, yeah? We're at, we're, we've got into Chelsea. What a blessing, Love you know? That. Do you know what you've done for me? Wow. That's a great investment. <laughs> <laughs> You made me feel feel good because I look good, and then I went out there and p put in a good performance. That's on you, man. Well done. You know. So these things, and I don't know. I don't know. That worked for me at that time, and I, it was a good save because I was gonna get. They weren't gonna take me, and then where would I be now? I don't know. That one day, at that one last day, done it for me, and it spun everybody's head. That's an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, I'll be the cult. I would. I'd have maybe found another path, but probably wouldn't be. In the 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 the, I, the state I, it is, you know what I think is wild now because obviously knowing what Chelsea's like at yeah. this time, mm. it's hard to picture it like that. Oh. But also hard to picture why coaches are not seeing that you're slipping on the Astro. Mm. Like if if I'm in a session, I'm watching a kid, and you're trying to look at them a trialist, and you you kind of like notice now, but look at the studs they're wearing. How mm. can they play on this? Like that's why he's slipping. Mm. And then you go and try and find like boots or try and do something. Mm. Um, trying to help him. Yeah, I know. So that's where me as a coach now. Yeah, yeah. I always look at a kid. I'm not saying you got to be like that. I just look at him. I think, what's his family background? Yeah. How's he getting here? Yeah. Because um, if I didn't have Rich, I wouldn't be getting there. Crazy. So if I didn't have my mom, she wouldn't have bought me that kit. Yeah. Yeah. That have these kids got those facilities around? Yeah, yeah. And is it fair that we judge them? And because you can see a kid that's got talent, but there might be just something missing. 
Yeah, I think it's the the scouts. I think it's the 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 coach and whoever's above them to realize that and say, do you know what? Let's give this this boy the benefit of the doubt and give him a little bit more than the other that doesn't need it. That comes in in a big Range Rover with their parents, comes out, got the kit, got everything, and could go and do a, give a good. And he's not even as good as this other player. I was about to say <laughs> it's good that you had it that way round though. You had the football talent, yeah, yeah. and you know just needed to feel a million dollars. There's there's some parents that you see that they buy everything for their kid, probably because of that mentality, mm. but they're not really, well, the kid doesn't actually have the pure love for football yeah, and yeah. practice. Yeah, yeah. And then that then ends up meaning they don't quite have the talent mm. and they're probably going in playing computer games a lot or all those other things. A yeah, uh, but they've still got every bit everything. of kit you could possibly imagine. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's a great story. Mm. Um, well, um, oh, what sorry, age was it that that happened? Like, when did you start? Playing for Chelsea. On the thirteens, isn't it? Thirteens, fourteens. Fourteen, thirteens, fourteens, yeah. Then so if we're why do you think that you then went on to have the career that you had when a lot of players had a very, very similar experience? So you think of like Mikel specifically, because I know how close you are with Mikel. So Mikel, very, very good player, had a similar experience in terms of like the cage football, um, playing at the top youth level that we all played at. Then um, got signed at Brentford. Yeah, so like him as an Quite example. Injured. But like, and then there's lots of other players that were sort of very, yeah. very similar. Then just didn't take that next step. I think. I think. Um, and you, you can be honest and say, you know what, I was just a bit better. I was, I was, but it's not just about being better. That just <clears> gets you a certain place. I remember I used to do all these extras stuff that Did I, you? Was, I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. So I always had a football by my feet in the house, just rolling it, going to the toilet. Going, <laughs> I always have a mm. ball at my feet. Um, I used to go and visit my cousin down at, um, in Chiswick, who's the next town next to, to where I lived. And then I remember sometimes even in the morning going to school, I used to walk to school um, from Brentford to Chiswick School. And what I was doing to keep fit, and I didn't know I was doing this at the time. I just wanted to get there quick, yeah? I was doing lamppost to lamppost. So I was doing lamppost, sprint, then walk to the other lamppost. Lamppost sprint, walk to the other lamppost. That's how I used to get places. Cause I used to do it from, sometimes I used to do it from Hounslow to Brentford. Yeah, just to get them quick. Cause I didn't have mo no money to get on the bus. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was doing all these things that would actually help me to where I am today. Like I didn't know I was doing it. <laughs> it's just, it was a weird thing. And when I look back, and there's so, other, so many other things I've probably done that I didn't even realise that I was doing that was training and coaching my mind to get to where I needed to get to, um, where it ended up me getting to. And, I'd, I'd, and coming back to that question, what you're saying, I'd, I'd say the reason why I probably um, made it is because luck. So I was lucky to be able to have that path with actually not even knowing, I was actually training myself and coaching myself and getting better in my mind. And so I can take criticism. So I can take, I was actually probably more prepared than some other kids. And I didn't have a bad injury as well. Mm. So sometimes when you have an injury, mentally, I didn't have, I didn't have to go through it. So mentally that could set you back, you know, cause you're not, you might not be the same player when you come back. Although you might've healed fully, your body might, but your mind hasn't healed. And there's a load of players out there that's had some bad injuries that couldn't come back because mentally um, it, it was just too tough for them or 
they kept on thinking about, oh, I don't want to get that injury. So there's kind of shy, they'll shy away from challenges. They'll shy away from doing the things that they usually do, who got how they got noticed in the first place. And some do have reoccurring injuries. I just can't shake an injury yeah, off. Yeah. So there's loads of um, um, factors in it. But for me, I, I just feel that I had, my career was just from a young age, I was just like that. And I didn't know why. And what were you like physically as a young girl? I was bigger than everyone else. Right, so yeah. back then you, I was bigger. Yeah. I probably wasn't as strong as I got to be. Yeah. But I was taller, I could, I could head as well. I wasn't the greatest of headers, headers of the ball, but I could do it. I remember when I was at school, when the first time I got taught how to head a ball, Yeah. Um, I was in primary school. And um, <laughs> I know it looks stupid when you do it, but the, t the, the coach at the time, because we, we used to go after, after school, because I had to stay, and this is another thing, I had to stay behind because I had to do extra, um, I had to stay extra because my mum finished work late to come pick me up. So there's, oh, there's some after school, there was football classes. So that's when I started learning how to play football, but I wasn't really interested in it like that. But I remember the teacher um, used to do this um, thing, say, oh, this is how you head the ball against the fence. So you throw up in the air, you open the curtains, oh, you yeah. poke your head through, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you close it. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I started to realize how to hit the ball. And he said, "You got to hit it there and watch the ball. Don't, don't, don't um, close your eyes." Yeah, yeah. So and then if you, if you close your eyes, it probably hurt more. That because everyone was scared of hitting the ball. So I was like, "All right, watch it, watch it." You had to be brave to do that back yeah. then. Without yeah. going like that, <laughs> you would go like that. You flinch like it's crazy. So I just used to do that, and then I was like, "Oh, this is easy." And that's how I started to get that technique. So just things like that, I didn't know that I was being coached from back then and I would retain that, that, mm. that knowledge. And it's about m memory, muscle memory, and I feel I was a great listener as well. Mm. So I had my uncle next to me. So after games, my uncle would tell me, so no one wants to be in the car with either your parents, your mum <clears throat> or whoever that you're with all the time. And um, after a game, my uncle, but, oh, mate, even if I'd scored a hat-trick, yeah, he'd say, he'd point out the fault in my game. Mm. Yeah, he'd be like, Carlton, I know you can score goals, but I didn't see this part of your game. And he goes, if you look up in under-19s, what have they got that you can't do right now? And I'll say, I'd, 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 I'd say, I don't know, I'm not really sure. He goes, I'll tell you what it is. Sam Parkin can hold up the ball better than you, so he'll always play. He can score and he can hold up the ball. All you can do is score. <laughs> it says, you gotta be able to hold the ball. So when that ball comes into you, retain it. Retain that ball, lay it off to your teammate, get in the box. That's what- um, That's how I started to change. Well, one memory from dads is you were very coachable. Mm. He was just like- Because I was a good listener. Yeah, yeah. very, very coachable. He took, he took a lot on. And then with the likes of him, Ozzy, from the sounds of it, your uncle, mm. If they've got all of that knowledge I'm and just, you are coaching and you're, you're just, soaking yeah, it all up and you're soaking it all up. Because you know it's the, <laughs> I'm gonna bring him out now. Messer. Messer. Unbelievable. Up. Wouldn't Maverick. You, Maverick. In one ear and out the other. Yeah. Like he couldn't unbelievable player. Left but, foot, right foot. Yeah, but couldn't be coached. No. But going back to understanding why Carlton became a striker and a centre mm. forward rather than when he's been his whole youth career yeah. a centre midfielder. That moment, those car journeys, it sounds a little bit like your uncle was guiding you to Being be that. a centre forward. He's yeah. now telling you. Well, no, was, was so when he, so when that started to happen, so 
I remember I got in trouble because I used to always be late. And it was never my fault. It's my uncle's fault. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's one other thing that coaches need to get in their head. Yeah. These kids don't get there alone. Yeah. If they're late, it's usually the person that's driving them, right? <laughs> so you got to say, do you know what? It's after school. Someone's going to pick him up late. He's coming. So I used to get tainted with this, um, this lateness, right? Anyway, I would, I wanted to play centre midfield. There was one particular guy I wanted to play centre midfield. What age? And this was about 14. 14 right. I wanted to play centre midfield and I was thinking, ah, oh, I'm not going to get in in front of the ones that were there as well. And they were a little bit older, but because I was playing up and um, I said, I probably won't get in, but I want to play centre midfield. And then there was, uh, for a punishment, they put me centre back. And I'd done so well, and this is at <laughs> Chelsea, I'd done so well at centre-back, there was like, this guy seems to be enjoying this. It's supposed to be a point. <laughs> He's actually good at centre-back too. So that's when I started to learn how to play centre-back because I was just, I just listened to what the coach says to me and I'll implement it as soon as possible. And he says, do this and try and, it wouldn't come out perfect, but I'd actually try my best and you can see I'm trying. Yeah, and then you go into, and then I'll go into centre midfield, do the same thing. But one thing I didn't have was the, the lungs to get forward and back. Get forward. Oh, right. I didn't have that. Ah, okay. So I'd go forward, then I'd trot back. <laughs> That's where I got lazy, the lazy shot from, because <laughs> you had the other players that are actually midfielders. So so is that a genetic thing, do you think? It might or, be. Or did it, was it, you weren't putting yourself in in the training? Did, oh, no, did, I don't think it's that. I just think it's a, more of a genetic, because some, look, I've, I've played with players now, they got, they got lungs of iron. Iron lungs, man. Like, they can just run... They could have a full party night out, yeah? Go out the next day and train like it's nothing. I'm like, bro, if I'd done that, I, you won't see me for two days. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and some people got away with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't do that because I couldn't, I couldn't, I was, I was okay at running. I could do long distance and that. But this, it was the turn of pace, like sprinting back, getting back, putting a tackle in, come back. I couldn't do all of that. Right. But okay. when you get me on the ball, I'll make something happen. Do you know what I mean? That's what I was. And do you not think that can be trained? My um, feeling is that endurance training, it, it, anyone can get that. I think, yeah, that could be trained, but we don't. So that's where the sports science would have probably helped me more okay. back then. Yeah. We didn't have that. We didn't have that sports science now to keep me as a midfielder. You know? it was very so there was like, we know he's a good player. He scores goals. He's massive. He's quick. <laughs> he's quick. He can use left and right foot, he can go down the wings, could go that way and cut in, he can do all of that. Put him up front. <laughs> that was as simple as that. Cause they had to get me on the pitch somehow. So that's why I started playing number nine. And it was very, back then it was very, people believed it was much more um, nature rather than nurture. Mm. So it was like, you were accepted. If you, yeah. if you had that endurance, that was it. You was accepted as yeah. that sort of player. You have a winger. Right, right, yeah, right so back, you had, going up and they down, wouldn't have even lungs thought about trying yeah. to develop that part of your game. Yeah. Because it was like, you just naturally won't have it. Yeah, yeah. So That's what I'm saying. So no, they didn't want to nurture you yeah. to be that person where I feel I could have done a great job in midfield, you know? But I just don't think back then uh, didn't now, have the, the vision were, for it. If you were in an academy now. Yeah. And I came as a midfielder. They would, they would that. right, here's a training programme improve your stamina yeah. like that would be in play but Definitely. back then it was like 100% well no he just doesn't have it he doesn't have it 100% you're right so with that being said so hearing about this journey <coughs> and like you know Ranieri saying you know best young player he's coached and you know what you've described um, do you feel that you 
achieved everything you could have from your career? Um, look, I'll be honest as possible. I said, you know what I mean? Like, I know there's probably kids watching, but you got to look at where I'm from, yeah? Um, my background, my friends. We love the good time. We love the great time. So when I started getting into the first team, even before that, before I'd even made first team, there was a culture, drinking culture. Everyone was out on a Saturday night, going out, clubbing, talking to girls, whatever, whatnot. And that kind of was our culture. And it was accepted back then. It was like, oh, coaches never said anything. As long as you're in, in on time, like, especially when you start to get older, go up the ranks. That's what, that's what I feel that could have been better, that I could have handled even better because now I've started to go out seeing the lights of London. Now I'm around the first teamers, seeing the lights of London. I'm around people my age um, from other clubs and they're around other olders and then our eyes are open now. We're like, oh, so it puts you off track. Although, yeah, you're still good at football, you still do your job, but it chips away at you, doesn't it? It chips away and it, and at the end, that's when you're going to notice I should have been better at the start because if I had that support system around me, I wouldn't be getting into this little trouble here. I and then you still, the only time I had peace of mind is when I was on that football pitch, do you know? Because you created a lot of problems outside it. But then when you're on that football pitch, when you pass that white line, all your troubles go away. And I feel that if it was a bit more smoother for me and the transition of being a boy turning into an adult, I'd have fulfilled more on that pitch. And then when I, listen, when I got into the England team, for, for instance, when I cut out everything for a year, I said, I'm gonna, my back's against the wall now. I'm gonna cut out everything for a year, cut out everything for a year. I'm now more relied on in the first team. I've got to get this right. And this is when I was at West Ham. I'd already moved from Chelsea. And I remember when I was, even as when I was at Chelsea, I was still doing the same things going out. And all the club knew, all the, all the, the culture had changed as well by then. And Mourinho had come in and he knew what I was like away from. I'd like to go out partying, not, not, not concentrate fully on football and improving myself. And I remember what he'd done. He, we had a meeting one time and I think he had, there was an away game up at um, Liverpool. And he basically had the go at me because we had the meeting the next day. They just lost, I think it was three or four nil. I weren't even there. I had to come in the next day and now to train. And we had a meeting, but every every like every training session we'll have a meeting before we go out. And all the big dogs are in there, Macaulay, like JT, everyone was in there. They're the ones that lost. Yeah. They lost. I didn't lose. I wasn't even there. Mate, I've walked in, sat there, I used to sit right at the front on the left. And I was looking. And mate, he just went for me. He was like, Carlton, you're never gonna make it. You're gonna be lucky if you work in Tesco's. <laughs> Um, this time I've I've already made first team. <laughs> I'm in first team, but you're not gonna your your career's not gonna last. The whole um in the whole like meeting was about me. Now, luckily enough, I've got resilience, and I was like, so we go out to train straight afterwards. I had the best training session ever. I'm not thinking. I'm not not. I don't know whether he meant to get that out of me to see. Well, let's see how we how we reacts, or it was just to deflect of what the result was the, the day before. It was one of the two, mm. but it was flip. It was genius. <laughs> I tell you that because 
I put, I remember I, I put Gallas on his back and Gallas was a hard <laughs> customer. I was so aggressive. I was so, I was on it that day. Yeah. I had probably, I was the, I was the best trainer that day. And it was weird because, because like the other players, because we had a big squad back then. The other players, the ones that didn't play that much, they'd train, and the ones that didn't play would train. But it was still like loads of big players there: Bolo's and not Bolo's and um, um, Joe Cole was in that that mm. group, Mara Melchior, mm. that 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 era. And I was thinking, and this is when we just moved to Cobham, so I was thinking, this guy's actually like tore me to pieces, but. I rate myself, you know, because I had a great training session. Then I was thinking he'd done that on purpose to get the best out of me. And I always travel that. So imagine someone, him doing that, because now I can see him doing that to when he was at his time at Man United, trying to right, get a rise out of his team. Yeah. Some of those players are not in that frame, frame of mind. Mm. They can't do it because they didn't have the upbringing that we, that's why I go back to the resilience, how to prove, oh, I'll show you. That's from the cage, that's from, you know? Mm. So that is where I said, you know what? And then after that, didn't I, I didn't finish off the season too well. I was still <coughs> doing what I was doing away from, from the pitch, I have to be honest. But then I went to West Ham, West Ham gave me that opportunity. Eventually, I was still doing the things whilst I was at West Ham. Then I got to a, a point when I was the only striker left available to be, to play, to start. Everyone else is injured. And then that's when it hit me. I can't do that no more. Because before, when you're coming from a youth team, that's you're one of the best, then you go into the first team, then you're not as actually the best. Then you start to, ah, you could coast along. You don't want to, I didn't have the mentality to be better than Drogba. I didn't have the mentality. Probably I wouldn't have been able to because of the talent, because Drogba was, but maybe if I'd have pushed myself even more, but you know, but I'd, I'd, I'd have got to that stage. Would, um, any, sorry, I just really want to ask, <laughs> did you not have people around you to, no, to say? I, well, like, I had my uncle, no, but you get to a certain age, you think you know it all, didn't you? Right. You think you know it all. That's why I look at these kids now and I see them going through it and I'm like, it's not the right time to speak to him because he thinks he knows it all. He's got all the money. He's got a lot of yes people around him and you can't even decipher who is that, those people. You just got to go with your gut and sometimes your gut feeling is not even great. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, you, it's not solid. So do you think your lifestyle away from football at that period was potentially due to you subconsciously thinking Drogba, Hasselbank and everybody is in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not going to get much of a chance. Mm. I'm probably not going to be needed that much. That's what so it was, you know what? I can, I yeah, can. And I'd gone on a few loans and it didn't work out because of mm. my lifestyle off the pitch. So I was going, I went to, I went to um, Aston Villa on loan and I should have made a good go of it, but I was up and down the motorway. Yeah. I'd, 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 I was still living at my mum's. And, I'd, and 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 although my mum lived in like like Windsor ne Windsor area, yeah, I'd just go on the motorway. I could go straight up. It's two hours and a half in the car, just three hours maybe going up, driving all the way up there, then going to the train, then driving all the way back when I when I've actually got a flat up there, accommodation. I've got accommodation up there, but I was never using it, so that didn't help me. You know, it takes it it, it nicks away at you. It, it it gets it gets you. And every as when you're young, you think you're Superman. You could do anything. But mate, it does, it chips there, away at you, mate. There was a night out we were having once, um, like we were out in Mayfair and um, we found our way into this club and then you were in there mm. and then some of the other ones like Migsy or Kieran yeah, yeah, whoever. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, Sean, Matt, come, come, yeah, come yeah, to the yeah. table. So then um, 
yeah, we've gone. That was through. a regular thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, um, I remember next back thing, at the works. La- uh, la- oh. <laughs> but, but I'd never met you before. Yeah. And then, but you're so, you were so generous. You were like, um, you gave probably about f- champagne come. Yeah. And you must have given <laughs> like champagne 30 Charlie. people champagne. Like everyone had a glass. Like, Because I, I was a people pleaser. Okay. I still am to some point. And I just want everyone around me to feel the joy that I'm feeling in that moment and just, just enjoy it together. And that's what I've always been like. And that actually works against you later on because people start, that you start to get a name. So you're supposed to be a, a professional footballer and you're going out doing that and just being a club man. You're actually a nightclub person. You might as well be a promoter, you know, because <laughs> I was out at the clubs yeah. that much. I was the promoter's best friend. Do you know what I'm saying? So he'd just say, oh God, so it's just easy money for them. They saw you coming. And if you get embroiled in that situation, it tell it will tell in your football in the end. Do you think it's um, quite a, almost like a, a dangerous thing then when, giving too much too soon, too much too soon. But going now going back to um, one of the reasons maybe why you were like that with your social life was mm. because subconsciously you're thinking, I'm may, I'm maybe not going to make it a Chelsea first team, mm. so I'm just going to enjoy the lifestyle. So you've yeah. got players. You always think you've got a second chance, isn't you? Well, I'm thinking you've got players that are doing well at the academy, yeah. progressing through the ranks, but they're looking at the first team and they're seeing all these players get brought in. Yeah, yeah. And then they start to, their mindset starts Yeah, because you're thinking, no, I'm not needed no more. Yeah. So you start to, so that's another battle that I wasn't prepared for as well. Because yeah. nothing prepares you for that when Abramovich comes in and starts, because I was supposed to be the next best thing. Mm. You got to understand. I, I broke through when Rain Rooney, in those times, when he just made his debut and he scored that goal against Arsenal, I'd scored my goal, I think the year before. Mm. Um, brilliant, brilliant goal it was. I remember, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, that those are the times when I see Wayne Rooney, and now he was the best thing on the block. Do you know what I mean? Best new kid on the block, and he was doing. And then everyone kind of it makes you feel that okay, I still got a lot to offer, obviously, but I'm not that new kid on the block now. I'm older now. Mm. I've got I've got to pull my weight around. And then when you see you're not getting a chance at your club, you're thinking, oh. And then your couple of loans hasn't worked out for you your head goes down mm. and then you start concentrating on the things that give you temporary happiness, you know? And that's what it was for me. And then that kind of, and you see it now and then it's a, it's a downward spiral. You see it with a few of the players that played for England that's going through a bit of um, um, turmoil right now. And it's just, it's more to it than what you see. Mm. There's always more in the background festering. In 2018, you declared yourself bankrupt yeah. and began mentoring young people and footballers about the pitfalls of life and money. Um, you said that, I hope my story will help young footballers to take responsibility for who they listen to and take advice from. Yeah, like, mate, I'm, I, I'll be totally honest. Like, things like that happen for a reason. Um, when I declared myself bankrupt, I had to do it. Um, and the thing about it was, it wasn't, it's not, I I used to look at it as a bad thing, an embarrassment, but actually when you grow from it, you think I needed that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Cause now I'm <coughs> in this headspace where I just, I, I know that I am, I'm, I'm ready for anything. I can go out, I know how to make money now. I know I just be myself, I make money. I'm good now, you know, but you have to go through everything getting given to you, losing it and rebuilding yourself. And um, it's just life journey. And I, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it now because I've had the career that I've had. Eventually it, it came good. 
but then you still had those sort of people around you. I'm not blaming those people. I've got to take responsibility. I let them in. I let. Um, I didn't have the right people t- surrounding me, and I was getting older as well, and I still had the those people around. So it's still my fault because you get you got to have respons- You got to take responsibility of your own life, and it's good now. Like now I can see I'm my own boss. You know, I know where I'm, what I'm doing. I've got the right people around. And we're all like-minded and we just want a better future for our kids. That's so cool. Yeah, man. That's yeah. all it is. Um, look, I've, I've, I've even advised some other footballers to go bankrupt because I see how they're struggling for after their career from day to day. And I said, ah, man, it's not even that bad, bro. Like, I know you're embarrassed because you think that you've got nothing to show for your career, but you've done what you have done. Uh, some well, of the most successful people I know in business. They all go bankrupt. Like, there's 50 cents they do it. It's, it's, yeah, they do it because you have to learn. And as long as you've built your name and you, you're always going to make money later mm-hmm. on. You know? like, like 50 Cent in one of his books, he was talking about how he really tried to help people from his neighborhood mm. when he first yeah, yeah, yeah. Like making money. And he gave them jobs yeah. and he like had them in a generous. house. It was generous. Um, yeah. And in the end, um, he had to then cut a lot of people out did did you have to because you said there you I, look, I wouldn't say listen for me it's not about cutting people out or no. cutting people off yeah it's nowhere you stand okay this is me here i've got family all that f- that friend friend business i'm not in it no more because for one i can't afford to do that because i've got kids to pay for yeah i can't just go out and spend on myself anymore I've got kids to pay for. Yeah. Family, I've got my mum, my uncle. I've got family yeah. that I care about and I don't want them to go through anything when it's... I don't want them to go through a, a future of uncertainty. Mm. So you have to reshape and retrack and rebuild your mind to get to a point where, you know what? It's not embarrassing. It had to happen. Now, I'm the man I am. And um, it's, a, it's, it's... And that's why mentoring for me was massive. Because then I saw, I it made me look at myself. And a lot of people don't like to look at themselves. They're always blaming others, yeah? Look at yourself and grow from the mistakes. And that resilience, I'll go back to it, that resilience. If I didn't have that resilience in them dark times when I thought the world was ending and closing in on me, then I wouldn't have been able to get out. And it comes back to the cage. <laughs> it's mad, it's like, because... It's all related. Because what you said earlier as well about maybe trying to replicate that in an academy and parents shouldn't be there because mm. it's true. Like you would have experienced it as well when you're um, like coaching at, at the West Ham youth teams and yeah. stuff. If a player takes a bad knock, they fall over or they think they've been fouled. Yeah, yeah. One of the first things they'll do a lot of the time is look for mum and dad. Yeah, always. Always looking up. But when you're in Red or League. Or you get shouted at. They're looking at your mum. Well, you're looking at your mum. Yeah. I'm shouting at you. <laughs> so when we get smashed into the cage, yeah. you don't look for anyone. You get you're up on your own. You, yeah, and it just it sticks with you, that mentality. So that you're min- not looking for anyone. The only thing you're looking to do is get up. Get up and brush yourself right. off and go again and show yeah. them why you're there, why you should be yeah. there. And it's the same in life. I've got to show people why I'm still here. And that's that resilience that you can't buy because that's I've learned that from those days there. And well, it's grown in me. Yeah. What's your role at West Ham now then? Yeah. Okay, so now I look after the loan players. So I was doing so the last four years I was I was doing under sixteens. I was um the last two managers have gone up to the eighteens now that I've worked with. I'm not gonna say that's me. Um but I I will say my positivity helped them. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to be positive to be me. Um and 
now I've, I've kind of pulled away. I pulled away from, and it's my son's age now, he's under 15s. I pulled away. Um, Was that on purpose? I don't really want to coach him because yeah. I don't think I don't think he needs. So it's that it's the same thing we're just talking about. Mm. Like he needs to be his own man. Like you can't be looking for dad. Like and I want to give him that responsibility where he has that um, that know how to get out of trouble and not look to me to fix it. Because mm. then it's a, it's hard for you. Because it's hard to coach your own son, man. It's like, hard for you. Because I, I, I might be too hard on him, exactly. or I might be too soft on him. Which one is, is what is, you ain't gonna find that. I'm balanced, so I know that I could find that biting point, but a lot of people that I've talked to that have to coach their own sons, it's kind of hard. You had it with your dad. So I, I obviously had dad and Ozzy very close. Yeah, Ozzy, yeah. And they went too extreme. Too like, extreme, yeah. And they, they can admit it now. When I talk to them now, they're like, yeah, we were too harsh. On See? And that, yeah, that maybe affected me in a way that mm. I, I didn't progress as much as I should have, maybe, but. They definitely went to the extremes. So it's yeah. like it's very difficult it's like, balance. It's like my um my mate Mikey, that's um one of my good friends, business partner as well. He basically um he said that because he he knows what's going on around the, the West End. He says, Colin, you need to you're you're a bit too hard on your son." And this is when I wouldn't even, I've not even been coaching him, so I go to the game and then you'll tell me you'll ask me how did Caden do? Then he'll go and phone the coach. Caden's done alright. Don't know what Colin's talking about. But I'm looking at all his flaws. But, but then I'm not actually your strengths. Earlier on, you said about your uncle on that car journey. He's the same you, as me. But you said that it did benefit you somehow. It did, but it's because I had the resilience and I knew how to listen. Most of these kids now, I'm not saying all of them, but some of them don't know how to listen, yeah? And they're not resilient to criticism. So they take. I took criticism and I took it as I'll show you. Yeah, okay, I listened. I know what you're saying. Well, I've scored a hat-trick, but you're still battering me. I'm going to show you what I can actually do. So I'm going to show you that I can do what you said. You know what I mean? And that creates uh, a winning mentality all the time. So you're always never satisfied. I, I've seen me, I've never ever, I've, I've never been complacent. I've always thought I've, I've got to do more. And the time when I wasn't like that, that's when I failed miserably, you know? Um, I always felt as well, I had imposter syndrome. When I started reading about it, I was thinking, that relates to me. What's imposter syndrome? Mm. I started reading about it. So when I started going to the England team, when I started going first team, I just I was there and I was thinking, should, should I actually be here? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm just a kid from the Estates. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what am I doing here in my local team in this changing room with like Zola and Hasselbank and all these big players? I had actually had imposters. I didn't know how to deal with that either. So there's a culmination of feelings and emotions that you go through as a youngster and you're trying to build up to be a man. What's your boy's mentality like? He's, the thing about him, he's just so laid back. He's so relaxed. And that grinds on me. <laughs> but he might have to be like that to get where he's going to, because he's got, he's got, he's confident. But now, especially because I actually brought him to the club, and now he's had to show his worth. So he, that's another, he's fighting a totally different battle to what I'm fighting. So he's fighting, I've got to show why I'm here. I didn't just come here on my dad's name. Yeah. So it's a totally different scenario. Yeah. With mine, I've had to hustle and bustle to get to where I need to get to. But everyone has their challenges. Yeah. So you can't actually, that's why you have to talk to a person and talk to a player or, uh, and see where they're coming from before you can judge. 
them. You know, like, why isn't this not working for you? You gotta go into the back, you gotta go into the nitty gritty of it. When you were at Chelsea and you, like the youth teams, mm. was you that generation that was cleaning boots? Oh yeah. To change yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and obviously that doesn't happen now in academies. No, no. Do you think it should be brought back? I think it or should be brought back. some sort of balance between they do they, they do they, they do do it they do do it some clubs they do some jobs now as, a, as like extreme it was, as what it was, it was, for it was, you. It was um, looked at as <laughs> was it um, something labour they used to say I forgot what it was called when it first came in slave labour or oh, something right. like that I can't remember what it was but the, mate we had to do loads <laughs> mate like even when you get into the first team yeah you got to get off the coach first take off the skips take it into the to where it needs to be, um, the other the older players obviously going back. Then after that, you take the skips off the coach, you take it into the training ground. You go and wash it, wash the wash the because mm. they have to train the next day. You have to wash the boots, and everyone had had to do it. You had to you had to clean the you had to clean the um, the, the the toilets. You had to clean the showers. Um, you had to sweep up the corridor, hoover the corridor. Just so just things that you have. I, I saw that as a normal thing, but. So do you think the current academy environment yeah. is too nice? Too, too nice. Soft? It is. It is. It is. They, mate, they think they've made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even us, we get our education. We had to go to, like, when we had our scholar, we had to go to Hammersmith um, College. We had to go to Hammersmith College to get our education. So we had to mix with other kids. And um, cause, like, some of the QPR boys used to go as well. So we used to meet up with them a lot. And uh, that was a good experience as well, mixing with other students. Do you know what I mean? And um, that was an eye opener to seeing how people actually go to college and is actually doing this to try and get somewhere in their lives. But we knew that we always had football to fall back on. And that's why we went there. Some of us didn't want to go, but we went there. And some of us, I, I embraced it because I, I used to like to mix with people. And that's how I've, I made a few friends from there, from college as well, who I, I'm still friends with now. You know, so I, I, I opened your that. eyes. I would challenge that though, because yeah. I think that clubs have seen like where some players have struggled with mm. coping with good contracts at young ages and then seeing them maybe not fulfill their potential. Mm. And then they've done a lot of work around that. And obviously like there's so much like data tracking now, mm. if you're tra doing a training session mm. and you haven't put your work in, yeah. it's gonna get flagged up. Oh, there's yeah. not hiding places. Yeah, yeah. There's no and hiding places anymore. No, <laughs> and there is players like, you know, for like look at Reese James, who's, who's had everything from it, but he's as hungry as yeah. he was when he was like But that's because of his dad. His dad's there. He's got a very um, influential dad that has given him, it's probably given him his goal. This is where you need to be. You ain't made it until you got there. So it's perspective. Like if you look at it, you think, and, and Nigel's, um, you can see that he's, he's one of those, and he, he's not just him he coaches, he coaches a, a load of other kids as well. So he knows how to treat um, his son and he knows how to get the best out of his son, as you were saying the, before. The, I actually spoke to him maybe a couple of weeks ago because he was talking about like doing another episode with yeah. us. And he was chatting and he's like, look, let's get Lauren's World Cup out of the way. Yeah. Let's get Reese back from injury. See? Otherwise, we're just talking. Yeah, see? That's see? the mentality. Because it's, it's a journey. It's, and for him, he's not on the football pitch but he's there in their heads mentally because yeah. he's nurtured them. He's grown He's grown with them. He knows exactly what makes them tick. And he's taken time and care in this. So there's a lot of parents that take time and care, but they don't know what it actually takes 
and he's got the module now. He's got the blueprint on how to create a footballer. Do you think uh, there is a blueprint to create he's a footballer? He's done it, he? He's done it, he's done it, he's done it with the girls and he's done it with the men's. Like, no, I believe there it's, is. It's proven. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I think there is a yeah. way that you can nurture and, and create a footballer. Yeah, definitely. Um, the best chance of making it happen, I think if the genetics are there. Oh, that is one, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That that makes it half, that's half your journey. Yeah. That's half your, your battle. If the genetics are there and you say, oh, come, that's your base, then you can start having a go and trying to trying to help and create a footballer. I think mm. you could do that. Do you, I think if you were to that. try and put numbers on it, would you say it's would you say genetics are that important? Like half of the battle, would you say it's oh, 50% definitely. genetics? Yeah, 50% genetic. No, like, no. If you're slow, you're slow, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I agree. like even if you say you're slow and then like you're saying, oh, I could help you with to to get um ten percent quicker. Yeah, but you're still slow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So where does that help now? Now you have to think faster. So then you have to, how you balance that out, you start thinking fast. Because look, Teddy's sharing them. Mm. You weren't quick, you know? You but, weren't quick, but, but... With the way so that training's going, I was just going to say this, like the way that training is helping create an equal playing field for so many kids now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the fast kids are also like super smart, exactly. super good on the ball. Yes. And then, and maybe in the part, well, it still hasn't completely evened out, mm. but we've had this conversation where we think football is going to go, Matty. Mm. What is it? Like what do you reckon? What do you reckon? What's the conversation? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought like you might sort of jump oh, in. Come on, jump in, jump in, Matt. What, what do you see? Football's, oh. How's football going to go? As a pl how, how are players going to be nurtured and um, groomed to, to be a Premier League footballer? What was you going to finish with? Well, well, I was just saying that yeah, yeah, like maybe where there's sort of this, um, what is it called when you're the, oh, David and Goliath, when it's your your weakness becomes yeah. your strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the underdog syndrome, the that's underdog. what I mean. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like the small players are forced to be technical and oh, clever. Yeah. And then maybe like physical players um, don't have to work on that so much, but they still get scouted. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of that, but potentially where this this training is getting so good, yeah. um, the standards of technique are happening for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether you're big or small, yeah. um, the, the, le the demands of the football IQ are being standardized. Yeah. So then it's becoming more like sort of, yeah, like genetics. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah you know. But look, look, come on. The best player in the world, Messi. Yeah. Only that small. But he ran, Top speed of eighteen kilometers per so hour. So physically, so physically, miles per hour. So physically, he can he can live he up to fast. the standards. So he, he was, was massive. Yeah, of course, because he is quicker than everyone else. Yeah. But he also had the, the mind quicker than everyone else. His mind was quicker than everyone else as well. Yeah. So if you got if you're quick and your mind's quick, that's like your double speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? In front of everyone, so you're always going to be better than everyone else, and you're smaller. So you're you, you kind of coast. You could coast for a game and not be noticed. And then all of a sudden, because you know you're that good, switch it on, then bam, 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 go. Yeah. You know, and that's where he, he was like, um, he was something else, man. Like, what a player he is. I think the yeah. one of the things Maradona was small, you know. So, well, I used to be small, short, eh? and, strong. <laughs> short and strong though, and yeah, quick. He was yeah. So there is an element of the obviously I, I'd say the genetics that definitely have to be up to scratch. Mm, I agree. I think agree. the, I think the point that you were trying to get to was um yeah maybe a determining factor starts to become your iq and your mindset because 
players now are coached at such a young age and they're getting so much exposure to good coaching mm. and good training mm. that there's a bit of a living playing field in terms of like we've got seven, eight, nine year olds doing like SNC work now to try and get a bit quicker. Mm. Um, and then if you're getting players at a much more level um, in terms of their athleticism and their kind of ability on the ball, yeah. then what's the determining factor? And it's mindset and IQ. Yeah. Mm. That so is no, no, definitely. I agree with that hundred percent. But what I don't really agree with the SNC for uh, eight or nine year old. Mm. The reason why I'm saying this because I look at my son because now I can see and my other and my younger son he's eleven. I can see now they're they're at puberty age, and my oldest he's six foot one now. He's fifteen, but I see him grow from here to there mm. in a year. Yeah. And that's so hard. So even if you've done all the SNC before, yeah, that you're gonna lose it because their 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 just balances off. They don't, their mind's not used to their new body, like because it grows so fast. Then they have to start again. But at least what I would agree with is that at least they're accustomed to it. Yeah, and they can go again, so they'll know what to do later on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's there, that's like the argument within the industry. It's like how much of an effect does puberty have? Because you can do all this work, massive. and then you get to 13, you have this gross bit of a, a foot in a summer. Yeah, it's mad. And then so, but what a lot of people say is um, you're kind of developing a lot of muscle memory, hopefully. Yeah. So when you've gone through okay, it, you've got a it. reference point you can go back to. Yeah. But then also you're teaching players that to develop the athlete behind a football player. That's good. So when you get to 16, 17, mm. you want to start introducing gym work. Mm. They don't, have that negative no that, yeah you're right and because also understanding always... the technique of how to do an olympic deadlift or yeah, how to do yeah. a squat because there's a lot of good form in that if, if you if you um if you look at it like that i understand mm. but to get benefits from it i think it, it, pre-puberty is tough yeah, yeah. The, the only physical benefits i'm talking about you won't you won't get it after puberty i think puberty does a lot to these kids even mentally and just the way they they think about life as well. Mm. Like they start seeing hairs growing out themselves. Mm. Like they're thinking, yeah, yeah. oh, looking down at their crotch, thinking, where's that come from? <laughs> Look, do you know what I mean? Like, and then that mentally is like, boom. Like I remember me, when I was going through it, I was thinking, raw man, like what is going on with me? Like start getting a little tash and all them little things there. It messes up some of these, yeah. it affects kids in different ways. And um, and some some want that, that beard or tash or whatever, whatnot. But then they start going out in the real world and thinking they've cracked it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that might be the little edge that they have on the others, you know? Mm. Like, and, and there's a lot of... So psychologically, um, puberty is massive. It's a massive thing for some of these kids to go through because it's just life-changing for them, man. Mm. Life-changing. And I see when I'm coaching these kids, I'm at an age when I was coaching the under-16s, I see them from 14 to how they are now at 16. And now from 16, I see them when they get into the scholars. They're just like, man, I just like, I see you grow in that short space of time and look at you now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fully grown man now. This is crazy. Has you got any kind of direct um, experience of knowing players mm. that maybe did take SNC work seriously before puberty? Definitely they go, not. They go through that maturation <laughs> and then... I uh, know. So, yeah, I was gonna say they go for that maturation, and then how they sort of come out from the other side no, of that. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the evidence yet. But I would like to monitor it now because I've never heard of someone that's gone through puberty and their whole body didn't change. Mm. And obviously, 
and their mindset didn't change as well. All their mindset changes as well. So now they might get a bit little, little bit more confident, you know, because now they're they've got a bit bigger. Now I can handle myself now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or it could go the other way. They just don't know how big they are. <laughs> they're still, yeah. they're still. So it's it takes some getting used to. And the quicker they can get over pu puberty, the the quicker they can make it. Yeah, it's still a, a very new subject, I think, like to deal with in football. Because the, the ages are getting younger and younger, so making it into the Premier League now. Yeah. We had um, a 15-year-old the other day for Arsenal. Yeah, that yeah. When played for, He's not even through puberty yet. Do you know what I mean? So what's it going to be look like? And you're giving these boys a lot of their parents or whatever money to stay at their club. You're telling me that that's going to be the same boy in six, when he's 17, 18 years old. You might not be the same kid and then now you've squandered your money but you're just betting on it you know and and i feel that you just got to give them their time to grow and and get used to themselves because there's a they're a new person mm. basically from when they were 10 to now they're 15 16 they're just totally new people mm. their, their attitude changes to life they get a little bit more leery get a bit more confident and it's not the same kid no more so you they've got to go through that that whole growth otherwise you'll get to that side you'll be disappointed <laughs> Mm. And you think, oh, where did it go wrong? You went through puberty, man. Yeah. Then you got to help him mentally through that again to get him back on track. Yeah. You know, so you created a, you've created a footballer, but have you created a footballer because you didn't prepare him before the puberty section? Say, listen, your body's gonna change. I want you to be prepared for that. Get to this side. If you get to this side, unscathed, you got a chance. I think that's what a lot of good SNC stuff does for the younger age groups. Mm. They prepare it. They start to prepare them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then when they're starting to and. A, like a good SNC coach will be able to monitor that. So mm. if you're starting that sort of work pre-maturation, yeah, and then you your body starts going through it, and you've been doing it before, and yeah. hopefully you're working with a good coach. So when you start going through it, they can kind of monitor that as well, yeah. um, and then help you get through that better and kind of more unscathed as such. Mm. So then when you do come out the other side of it, you're hopefully like injury-free yeah. because. Oscar Chocolates and all that sort of stuff that we're doing. I had that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Playing in Harlington, that's where it was, on a hockey pitch. Oh, mate, yeah. pounding away <laughs> at my knees, man. And obviously I grew somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the, I didn't get shin splints though. I didn't get that. I suffered from that. No, that's I the didn't. one that got me. That yeah. Brutal. Yeah, some, some kids get the shin splints. Mm. They can't play for a year. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah. And that's hard. I've got two more oh. questions. Go on. Um, this one is about West Ham, mm. like obviously renowned for having an amazing academy, producing mm. players, you know, Lampard, yeah. Ferdinand, Joe Cole. What's the academy like now? Thriving. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm part of it, yeah. <laughs> but if you look, if you look last year and the year before, we, we bled in a few players into the first team. Um, I feel that we've got some great talent in our academy from under 10s upwards remember we've got that catchment area of east the whole yeah. of east london basically yeah. so we do we do still need to work on it because we've got a load of um, south london kids that that actually come to east london to to apply their trade but i'd say that we we're healthy in that in that situation right there well, i think we've got um young players coming through we've just produced obviously declan rice Who's uh? He came from Chelsea. Hang on a minute. Well, West Ham <laughs> trying to claim Declan Rice. You he went to West Ham at sixteen. Chelsea can't claim him because yeah, he went to. But we had him when when he was like six. Doesn't matter because we changed his mindset. 
and we we I had we, we had to we had to save we had to save him. We had to save Fair him. Fair enough. Yeah. Because okay. Because imagine like he's just been rejected. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. got to build him up again. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. You have to build him up. Yeah. And that is that's that. I know that. Listen, you had the raw part of him when he was coming up, but yeah. then when he'd already got to a point where he needed, he was disappointed. Because obviously, when you're at one place, you're at you're at, you're at um one club that you and I, I I can't imagine not making that Chelsea because that's that 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 rejection would have been hard for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you got to give it to him. He's gone else elsewhere at that young age, built himself back up. He's gone. Is um England's um well was it the, the it's got the record yeah for the highest ever transfer, highest ever transfer yeah. record for an English player. Yeah. Like that's madness. Yeah. You know. So we have to claim that. <laughs> you all have to claim the little bit at the back. I'll say at the back, at the front, sorry. But we'll claim the rest. Do no, you know what I mean? Because we no, made no, him, really good point. we gave no, him his no, chance no. in the yeah, Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got we've got other players. We've got Freddie Potts that's gone on loan to Wickham. We've got okay. um we've got Kamarai um Sawyer that's gone to Crawley on loan. Um we've got um Seb Higgy that's gone to on loan to Steve. There's a, there's a good feeling. So now we're club. starting to make sure that we're getting our boys giving them the right loans now. Right. As well. So if they're not in the first team just yet or they need a little bit more nurturing, we make sure they go to the right clubs. And I'm a part of that process now. I liked off air you were saying about like picking the right loans for people. Yeah. And because you know the players so well, you're saying that no, this player is a left centre back. He needs to go to a club that have got availability there. Availability the is the biggest thing, yeah. And the manager. So the availability, style of play, um, the manager and the you got to know if the boy's ready or not okay. mentally. It's because he could be saying he could be saying all the right things to say oh, I'm ready. I could go on loan. I could do it. I said it. I said I was ready to go on loan, and I wanted to go and um, get away from the club and go and do my thing. But I wasn't ready mentally for it, you know. So you got to know. You got to look in the boy's eyes and think: Are you ready to go out on loan and be a man? Because you're going in a different environment that's not home. <laughs> so you've got to make sure that you use every ounce of this. Um, experience to go to the next level. So when you do come back, the manager can look at you in your eyes and say, something's changed in him. He's ready. Put him in. How do you decide if a player's ready? Mindset. Because they've obviously got the skills. But how can you tell their mindset's right? Because you've got you to see. You can, you'll know by their football how they're... And even if they're talking a lot, instructing what to do, then you sit him down and you think, do you know what? Something's changing you, and I like what I'm seeing now. And he's actually reading the game. You can see if they're reading the game now. They're not just going on reactions. They're being proactive on everything they're doing. You'll see it. You just—it's a thing that, and there's nothing better than the eye test, because you know what they what they came before they left, and you'll know how they've improved. Or sometimes they come back and they haven't done well, so you've got to lift them up again, and they might not get another loan. So you got to make sure uh, you got you got you got one more chance here. You either get bought, mm. <laughs> or you get you're making the first team. <laughs> this is why we need ex footballers in these positions, like um, Jay Simpson. Mm. He we've got him at Chelsea yeah, yeah, now yeah. Um, doing mentoring. Jay Simpson was Arsenal, wasn't yeah, he? he was yeah. Arsenal, yeah. Um, and then Darius Charles, um, mm. not sure if you know of him. He's he's like a player for Wickham. Um, yeah, I know Darius. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so he's doing mentoring at Man City. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, th there's yeah, there's more and more of clubs like seeing the need for this mm. and getting good people around. Well, you gotta have good people. Yeah. That's one thing. You can't just get any old footballer. No. You gotta have the the, the footballer has to have the right mentality. 
Um, and you can use different footballers for different things. Like, as, as I said, being a footballer, you have to have transfer, it's a transferable skill. Like, working in a team, um, recognising danger, recognising, okay, something's changed with this guy, let's, let's go in. Because I remember when this happened to me, I came, I knew that I wasn't right playing football mm. and I needed a bit of time and space. But that's why we've got player care, we've got player liaison, we've got all these p things to make it more comfortable. And the more, obviously, the education in football goes on, like now I've done, I've done, I've, I've done, I'm fully um, qualified now to be a coach. Um, I've got to get my, my pro license to be a manager, but... I, that's on that's on the cards whenever I'm ready to do it. But I'm not. I'm doing my things organically. Yeah. You know, I'm not just rushing. So, oh, I just finished. I just quit. I've got to go and be a manager straight away. I don't want to do it like that. I feel that I can give more with the academy, being a mentor, helping them as much as I can, and that's giving me the experience to now to work with people at a different capacity and understand it's a new generation. They're not the same as us. So remember back in the day, I'd say. It was the olders were harder than us. They were harder than us because they wanted us to do things their way. But now, because of social media, because of um, um, the way they are brought up nowadays, you gotta be more. It's gotta show more empathy. You gotta show more um, support because they're different to us and, and, and the way we grew up. They're not as probably as I said, go back to they're not as resilient. So you gotta get the best out of them in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like this is their era. This is how things are now. Rashford, and, and, Rashford. I, and I don't judge. I don't judge yeah. them for it. Like it's just their environment. Rashford criticized Mourinho for criticizing him, didn't he? Well, that's what I was saying before. Remember, I was saying. So I was saying when Mourinho done that to me in that room, <laughs> these kids are not gonna go. So I knew that's what it was gonna go wrong for Mourinho. And a lot of people will say, "Oh, Carl, you don't know what you're talking about. You just weren't good enough, mate." I know. I, I was there. I felt. I felt it. You know. I felt. I understand. Um, that Rashford will be a totally different, um, have a different mindset to me, and oh he won't goodness. take that. He won't take that criticism lightly. He'll look at it and think he's bullying me or he's picking on me. It's totally different. Where that's not going to rub with these kids no more. You can't come with that attitude. Marino went on record and said that, didn't he? Did he? When he um, when he was at Chelsea. He said he used to be hard on players because he looked around the room. You saw and the young players were men. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and then he said, now when he works with players and he looks at young players, he oh, doesn't he said see that. men. So that makes a lot of yeah. sense to what I was saying then. That's why I knew Mourinho to manage in this, this era is totally different. You've got to have something else. You've got to have a load of more empathy. You've got, you got to be understanding. Um, and you've got to know where these kids come from, man. The environment. You've got to know way more... Then that's why I like, you see like when um, I talk about, I've never got coached by him, but when I talk to ex-pros about um, Ancelotti, everybody loves Ancelotti. Well, and, and coming through, when you look at the camera, you just know he's a cool customer, yeah. isn't it? Just chilled, man. There's certain managers and it sounds like you're adapting to the different generation. But yeah, you see these managers like Guardiola, like Ancelotti, they're able to evolve yeah. as, as the new generations of players come through and the personality. That's the skill to evolve, man. Absolutely. It's a skill to evolve Absolutely. and understand and make sure that you get things right because most of these kids, they'll tell you about themselves because they're as educated, you, as educated as you in the game as well, by the way. Yeah. Because the education is totally different yeah. now. They've got yeah. visuals, they've got all the help they can get, they've got ex-pros, they've got everybody talking to them. Yeah. So their education is actually more than what we had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... When you're talking to a player, you've got to come from a different angle now. 
you got to come from, how can I get the best out of this boy? Okay, sitting down like a man, talk to him about the game, and make sure that he knows the ins and outs of why that went wrong. Stop doing that because, but you got to say it in a way, not half pally, but half pally, but he knows you got his best interest at heart and you want him to do well. So you've got to come with a different technique now. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, boy, some of these gaffers, the old school gaffers won't even last. Well, but maybe in the lower leagues they would. But Beardsley, he yeah. got sacked out of Newcastle See? for bullying. Yeah. And that's the term that gets used. Maybe he thinks... Craig oh, Bellamy. Oh, was it Craig Bellamy and as well? Craig Bellamy at um, Cardiff, wasn't it, I think. Um, right. and, I, and, and the thing about it, I know how Craig speaks. Like, I know he wants the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you've got, he, he's got to say it in a stern way. He used to do it to me on the pitch. He used to say it in a stern way and then I'd take it. And actually, when I was playing with him, I got in the England team after playing with him because I knew I didn't want to put a step foot wrong because I knew oh, I don't want to hear Bellas moaning at me. Or, goes back and to I, the And K. then I'd listen to what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to the K. I'd, I'd, I'd listen to what he's saying and I'd make sure I get it right the next time. And that, yeah. and that progressed me onto the next level. And you need some of that sometimes. Otherwise, you'll fall back and because you're just listening to yes men behind you that when you come off the pitch, ah, oh, he didn't do that. You're blaming everyone else. You're not taking responsibility for what you have put out there on that pitch and it wasn't good enough. So now you've got to come off that pitch and think, how do I get better? How, wh what's going on? When I was at that club, it was all coming off for me. Now I come here, this is not, it's not happening. I've got to grind. I've got to go back to the drawing board. I've got to study, yeah? I've got to study and I've got to look at every single thing. Am I fit enough for one? Am I fit enough? Not sure. I need to do more in the gym. Go and talk to the gaffer. Say, listen, this ain't working for me. I don't know what's going on, but something's different. Is it my give me my give me my output? How much kilometers are I doing in a match? How much how much kilometers am I doing in training? You have to do everything because now everyone's educated to see that you are cheating yourself. And if you can't accept that you're cheating, you're gonna get into a lot of trouble <laughs> and you won't play. And then that big money signing don't work for you no more. It's not, because you got that, remember some of these kids have got this big money tag on them as well. That's pressure alone for the outside world because everyone's, all the fans are looking at that one kid that's got, he's been bought for 50, 60 million. And that kid probably believes the hype as well. He's still, you got bought because of your potential, not because you're the finished article. Cause that, you're buying them younger and younger now. So, and then most of these kids that get into the first team at um, England, they're getting introduced quite early. So they, all of a sudden they've got a big um, um, price tag on them. But they're still not ready. But they got, they got given a chance. It took me ages to get into that England team. I had to fight two for nil to get in there, you know? But when I got in there, I knew I deserved it because I got in there at 24, 25, um, well, 25 or something like that. And I knew that I'd grafted to get that. I told you, I put everything down that one year and I got in. And I said, ah, I deserve this. You know what I mean? That call up. Some of these kids, as soon as they've shown a little bit of potential, they're in. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to do five, six years, five, six or seven years slogging. In the Premier League, by the way, playing week in, week out. And, and some don't play week in, week out, even when they're in the England team now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You had to be able to play, you had to play week in, week out to get in the England team. Don't need to do that no more. So there's a lot of, um, you got to understand it now. It's totally different now. These kids are getting given a lot. So as a gaffer, you've got to make sure that you understand it as well. We're, we're, I have one, go on, sorry. Got, so does that mean we're? Yeah, we are, we are out of time. But I wanted to ask um, my final question. What, what, what did you, did you? I was going to say, 
we work with a lot of players that are both at academies and mm. grassroots. Yeah. So then was there between like nines to 14s, 15s typically is what we work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like any final message for players that are one at an academy because mm. there might be a sense of, oh, I'm at an academy, I made it. No. <laughs> or two, the ones that are still playing grassroots. Yeah. They're, they're at that stage where they're 14, 15, they're still grassroots and they're thinking, am I not going to make oh, 14, it? 14, 15, is yeah, look. Is the dream over? No, the dream's <laughs> never over, man. Like, depending where you're playing your trade, so if you're playing 14s, 15s at, because we've got some kids that we've um, taken at West Ham, 14, 15. And they came from the park. Yeah. Really? That's came from the park. Yeah, yeah. They had the rawness that we liked. We, yeah. Some of these kids don't all get the chance to show what they can do, you know? So you can't give up. You can't give up, man. It could happen at any time. Um, I know that you, they'll probably be looking at their peers or some people that they've gone to school with and they say, oh, he's in the academy. I'm not going to get there. And then don't lose heart, man, because it can happen for you and not happen for them. And they're at the academy. Mm. So imagine that. You could start. You could be a late bloomer, and there's nothing wrong with being a late bloomer. You're just you're just different to everybody else, and you'll appreciate it even more when you actually make it. So don't give up on that dream. Also, I'd say the ones that are at academies and think they've made it, mate, definitely <laughs> don't do that. Don't start <laughs> thinking that because that is the worst thing that you can do. My son, my my youngest, is in grassroots. I could have put him in academy ages ago. Now. And I didn't want to do it the, the way I'd done it with my, my first son, um, Caden, because Caden, he had a bit of um, get, getting his head around, oh, I've come here with my dad. You know what I mean? And he had to, That's I told you, that was his battle. Yeah. Now, my, my second son, I can see he's more robust. I, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but I can see that he can take criticism a little bit more, a little bit better than my older son, who can take criticism, by the yeah. way. Yeah. But the other one, he wants to prove me wrong all the time. He wants to prove. And uh, you take on board the information I'm giving him and go and implement it straight away, exactly to the book that I said it. You know what I mean? Um, and Caden's a very good listener and he just wants to prove and he's, he's a lovely footballer. But he's missing that little desire that okay. the younger one's got. Wow. It's not desire. He just looks... He's so... I told you, he's laid back. Yeah. That bit laid back. It's a little bit... The way I look at him is like, see the laid backness of... Um, Marco Marcos Alonso, that used to play for Chelsea. Mm. The way his style was, like you, you think he's not trying, but he is. But he's just, he's just got it, and he's he's delivery. Everything is 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 bang on. That's the same as my my eldest. But then the other one's a little tyke, like he's just on it. He's like smaller. He's more aggressive. Obviously, he's getting tall now, by the way. But he's he's more aggressive, and he beats himself up when he doesn't. Um, it doesn't come off for him or he sulks when he's gone the way home in the car when he hasn't had a good game so he's got that, the, that thing that I can't you can't teach that you haven't got it or you ain't so that's what I'm seeing um, a young, most of these kids some of them need that little fire that little hunger in their stomach man and they can get it that sounds similar to some advice that Jolien Lescott gave when we spoke to him. Oh, yeah. And he was saying about his two boys are very different. Mm. And it's a, the parents need to know their kids. Yeah. So that if they know them, then you know how to give them the advice. Advice, yeah. Um, my final question, we're all right for time. Um, my final one was for you to, yeah, tell us your favourite memory in football. Oh, my favourite memory in football. There. You know what? District champion. That was, <laughs> yeah, that's one of them, you know. 
that's like when nothing else matters. Remember we played at uh, Highbury? That yeah, that was, I've got the picture, I'll put it up on my yeah. thing. You're in that picture as well. Yeah. Played at Highbury. We, wa- we watched um, We watched Arsenal win the league that day against yeah. Everton, innit? Yeah. Yeah, we, we saw that. Was that when... Um, that was like an invite-only five-a-side competition. Yeah, yeah. That was a great time. And that was... Um, and we all had to be suited and booted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically the best um, teams. I, I, I don't really know who organised it, but somehow... Yeah, we got they, to play. They before found the game. best teams, yeah, yeah. and we were the best team, so yeah. we got invited. Yeah, we didn't win yeah. it though. I remember I lost in the it. final. Lost in but the it final. Was, yeah, it was like a big invite-only competition. I think there was like maybe sixteen teams that got invited. Yeah, and it's all played. Highbury used to have this secret five-a-side. Yeah, I know. In the stadium, they had a stadium. Yeah, in inside the stadium at Highbury, there was a five-a-side secret five-a-side pitch. You'd have never have known, like yeah. if you didn't know. You'd, it was always showed up, and like it was. It was wicked, unbelievable. So that yeah, that was a highlight of my. Yeah. Um, but obviously, playing for England, that was definitely one of my highlights. Where when I'm getting slipped through by Beckham. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then you've been watching this guy since you were young and that, and you now you're on the same pitch with him. And then obviously my Chelsea debut, my West Ham debut was was special as well. Um, playoff finals was special for me because of what we'd gone through that season yeah. um, to come up at the first time of asking, first time of asking. So there's there's moments that I can always go to and grab and just make me feel happy. So there's not just one particular thing because everything has a reference to a period in time. So it's, uh, it's amazing, man. Well, well yeah, thank you Great so journey. much for um, coming and speaking to us today. Um, it's been a, yeah amazing journey yeah, and yeah. a huge journey ahead of you as well. It's oh, exciting. mate, it's only getting started. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, really so I've got, I've got a few roles at West Ham. Obviously, yeah. I'm the club ambassador. Um, I've obviously gone into the loans now. Um, and I have get to see the other part of football. Like, I get to see like the staff that make football what it is. So the background people, the ones that are in the offices working from day to day, working with the content team, working with different facets of the football club. And I've started to appreciate people even more and what they bring and how we've got as footballers do our best every time. Because you gotta understand if if we're not doing well on that pitch, it it leaves some of these these people in the offices without a livelihood if we're not doing well, because they could get the chop because there's always cutbacks and yeah. if you get relegated, it affects a lot of other people. So now I've seen that side of football, I'm like, damn, some of these people, man, they're real people, they're not robots. They're there with a family, kids. Yeah. So that you up there, that's in, the, that's in the limelight, go and do what you do, what you do best. You've got a chance to change a lot of people's lives, not just your own. So that's it, man. That's class. No, thank you, Carlton, I appreciate it. Thank you, mate.